Uh, okay, we're going to get into the weeds a little bit here today. I'm going to give you a history lesson, which is going to, you're going to have to follow me step by step as we go through this, but I promise you at the end, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be something that really uh, changes potentially the way that you look at church. Um, and so I want to start just with this idea. Now, one of the things about being a church that meets in a community center is the first question I generally get from anybody who finds out what we are doing and why we're you know, meeting here and they're asking questions about the church is, oh, you meet in a community center. Oh, okay, cool. And then they go, hey, uh, do you have any plans for when you're going to be into a building? That's like the first question. It's a, it's a no-brainer. I think even when I go to small groups in our church, that, that's a question that is on most people's minds. They want to know, is there a building coming along with this church? Is there going to be a place where we have that's our place, that's our place somewhere in the community? And the general way that I've answered that question has been around the concept of if you gave me an unlimited budget, you said, hey, you have, you know, well, maybe not unlimited, a reasonable budget. And you were like, hey, you have five million bucks to build yourself an awesome church. And I want you to sit down and design what that church would look like. What would it look like, right? And for me, that, that, that answer to that question is actually kind of uh, easy, I would design a church that was used six days of the week by the community, and on the seventh day, we'd own it. And we'd probably be letting it used by the community even while we were in church meeting. And I don't know if you look around, like, that's what we got, right? We're in a community center where the community is in here every single day, where most people in this area, when we say, hey, would you come to church? Hey, we meet at the Mountain View Community Center. They go, oh yeah, I had like a school dance there one time, or I took SATs there, or uh, there was a, I did an AP uh, testing in that building, or I took my kid to karate there, or you know, I've been there for you know, the basketball courts, or I took my kid to the YMCA basketball, or I, I took a Zumba class. I'm not even sure what Zumba is, but I think it's a thing. <laughs> like I, most people in our area have been here into this building, and they know what this place is. And when they think about a church being here, they're kind of like interested and intrigued by that. It's not a barrier to entry the way that some churches might be for some people, okay? And so uh, that question, while it makes a lot of sense, and it should be something I guess a normal person would ask when they're looking at a church like ours trying to figure out uh, who we are and what's important to us, is actually shows a little bit of our bias as Americans in 2019 on the way that we define what church is. Now, if I ask the question, what is church, and we had a focus group of 20 different people, I think we would receive 20 different answers. And a lot of those answers, you know, might be, hey, it's a community of people, uh, and some of those answers might look like, hey, it's a building that exists in the community. But I want you to understand the church, and I'm going to get into a little bit of the history about this today. It was never meant to be a location. It was meant to be a group of people. Okay, the church is not supposed to be a location. It's supposed to be a group of people. This church could get up next week and move down the road to another place, and it would still exist and still be effective and still be following the vision and mission that we have as a group of people. That's what the church is. So today we're in our We Are series, and we're talking about our last, um, our, our last value. We've been through the other four values, and today we're really going to talk about community. But to talk about community, I want to start with the idea of what we believe about what church should be and what church is, and how we define church. And I want you to ask the question, if you had to answer that question, what would you say about it? If you had to answer what is church, what would you say about it? And so there's two questions that I want you to think about your answer to. First is, what is the church? For you, I want you to think about what is the church. And then I want you to think about who 
is the church for? What is the church and who is the church for? Because before I think we can get to talking about community, I think we have to agree on what the church is and who the church is for before we can start talking about what community looks like. And this didn't seem to be uh, a huge problem. I think most people, if they were like, well, you know, we probably have a similar idea of what this is, or we could probably agree on a definition. But I have found that as I've started talking about the church with people, that our definitions of what the church is and who it is for is way different most of the time. And so I want us to agree on the answer to that and where we get this word church and how we look at the church. And to begin to understand this question, we need to start with the concept of language. We have to understand that meaning comes from words, and words that we use have different meanings to different people. We live in a a completely subjective truth time. We call this a a postmodern time, where you essentially could mean something by you saying one thing, and I could mean something else by me saying one thing. Language is shifting underneath our feet. So we have to actually go back and define what the word church is and where it comes from and understand where we got the word church, okay? And so I want to go back to Matthew chapter 16, and I want to show you the first time Jesus uses the word church. Okay, now Jesus is on a hike with his followers. They're going to Caesarea Philippi. He stops off on the side of the road. He says to his, uh, his followers, hey, who do people say that I am? They have a couple different answers. Some people say you're Isaiah. Some people say you're John the Baptist. Other people believe that you're a prophet. And he looks at them and says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter famously answers with a, a, an answer of faith. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God, right? And then Jesus blesses him. He says, blessed are you, Peter, for you did not learn this from man. You learned it from my Father in heaven. And then he says, and I tell you that you are Peter. I tell you that you are a small rock. And on this big rock, this confession that you've just made, I will build my, and there's the word, church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, which is an incredible uh, prophecy of which we are right now fulfilling by meeting today. The church should have been knocked down and squashed a million times before this day right now. And we are fulfilling the prophecy that Jesus said in this moment every time we get together and continue the church on. And he uses this word church. And this is where it gets a little bit, uh, a little bit tedious. And so I want to stop for a second and I want to go back to the original language and I want to understand how Jesus used this word church and what he meant. Okay? And the word that he used in the original language was ecclesia. Ecclesia. A, like a Canadian, A, man, A. Clay as in what you put on a pottery wheel. Sia as in see you later, right? Okay, ecclesia. Now, this word meant, specifically meant gathering or assembly. And the way it was used was not a religious term before Jesus started using it in a religious way. What it meant was uh, you would use this term, for instance, if you were going to gather up the military together at one place, you would have a gathering or an assembly of people who had a common mission. Right? So anytime you had a people gathered together who were, had a, a common mission to be together, that's where we see this ecclesia word come into usage. And no one's ever applied it to, uh, to the spiritual landscape until Jesus used it. The thing about ecclesia that is really, really, really important is that this gathering of citizens is not location-based. It's based on a common mission that brings these people together. This word was also translated in the original Hebrew to refer to the Jews who were scattered throughout the entire world as an ecclesia, a 
a, a community of people throughout the entire world who had a common mission. Okay, so this word, it, it gets translated from Hebrew into this form of it after Jesus uses it to communicate this is what he wants his group of people to be. And basically what Jesus is saying when he says it is, hey, I'm going to build my gathering or my assembly of people. They're going to have a worldwide mission. And wherever they are is where the church will be. It's not located in one place. It's no longer just in Jerusalem. It's no longer attached to the temple. It's no longer attached to a building. It's not in a tent. It is where these people get together. This is what the church is. This ecclesia can happen anywhere in the world because these people who gather have a common mission to reach the world for Christ, to share this vision of what this looks like with the world around them. And you're like, how do we get the word church from that, right? So the word church comes from an actual German word, okay? And you're like, German? I didn't think that was in the Bible. You are correct. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> this uh, word, uh, ecclesia, has been translated many times, but some of the original people who translated scripture uh, did not translate the word church. In fact, you wouldn't find church in a Bible written down anywhere in a very, very old translation. The word church comes out of German. And to kind of understand how we get to that place, it takes a little bit of history. And so Jesus comes, he goes to the cross, he raises from the dead, and he goes up into heaven, okay? And he leaves about 120 people on the earth to start the first ecclesia. We see this ecclesia is amazing. The first day they opened, 3,000 people joined this church, this community, this assembly of people, and 3,000 people are added to their number on the very first day. That's a really awesome church launch, right? Like we started last year, uh, November, we had 300 people here. There were people sitting in the hallway. Thank you to those of you who sat in the hallway on that day. Uh, it won 3,000, I can tell you that much. Like, that was a crazy thing to happen on the first day they existed. And the church then kind of starts to organize itself. So it, it spreads out from Jerusalem all through the known world, and they just go to places, and they start churches. They go there, they, they raise up leaders, they, start, they, you know, they get an elder team together, and they have a church that starts to exist, and they meet all over the place, in people's homes, you know, in, in the synagogue, um, in, in any other space that they can find to meet. They don't care where it is. When they get together, that's where church is happening for them, and they start to meet everywhere. And the first century goes pretty terribly for the church, right? There's a lot of persecution. And what ends up happening is every time the, the powers that be who are in charge try to squash the church, it pops up in another place. So they go, hey, we're going to squash it right here. And they, they persecute all the Christians in that area. There are martyrs. Things are happening. And then the, the church just pops up and flourishes in another place. You, you literally can't kill the church in the first century. It is a movement that will not die. It's miraculous that it makes it out of the first century because there's so many people who are persecuting and against Jesus's gathering of people, right? And into the second century, more persecution. And then something weird happens, right? It gets, starts to get organized and it becomes legal to be a Christian. Up until this point, it's been illegal and there's been persecution, but somewhere in the 200s and the 300s, it becomes legal and it becomes then a state religion. And then it starts to get organized around that. And what happens is the believers in the early church, they start doing communion in places where a martyr died to, to commemorate what, what happened, the blood that was spilled in that place. And then the church, as it organizes, begins to build these little basilicas, these little buildings on these places where martyrs died, and it continues to get more organized and more organized and more organized. And eventually, the church goes into a time where it's being used to control people 
It's being used uh, to control the masses, and we find ourselves in a really dark period in like the Middle Ages where the, the Bible is actually chained to the pulpit in most churches, and the people who are in charge aren't serving Jesus at all. They're using it as a way to control the masses of people, and the church goes through this very dark. Well, it's during that time where the word church comes out of a German word, which you have basilica, and then you have the German word kirke, and it ends up being in the modern German kirke, kirke, I'm not sure, I'm probably saying it wrong, and that's where we get the word church, kirke becomes church. What happens is, that word goes from being a group of people that are all over the world with a common mission, to a building, where the Bible is chained to a pulpit. And we have to understand this before we start talking about what the church should be doing because there's a really negative thing that happens in this moment where now when we start talking about church, we start talking about a location or a building or something happening there. And the church becomes something where we call the community into our building to receive from us instead of a movement that cannot be killed because when you squash it in one place, it pops up in another. We start getting married to these facilities and these buildings and the word church comes out of that the word church means a building, and the word ecclesia means a community or a gathering of people with a common mission. When Jesus used the word ecclesia, he did not mean a building. He did not mean a location. He meant wherever my people are gathered together, that is where the church is happening. And they have a common mission to reach the entire world for Christ, right? To reach the entire world with my message. That's the, the goal of the, the church or the ecclesia. And the kirka, the church, means something very, very different. Church was never supposed to be a location. You can't burn down the ecclesia. You can't chain up the doors of the ecclesia. You can't make the ecclesia go away. You can do that for a kirka. You can burn it down. You can destroy it. You can lock the doors. You can stop it from meeting. You can... Stop a kirka. You can't stop an ecclesia. So the gathering or the assembly, the living organism, was not based on a location. It was based on a group of people. And it's amazing to think that that change happened. And I still think we have a remnant of that in us. That as we think about the church, we often think about a building. We often think about a location. We often think about where certain ministry has happened or certain things have taken place. And in reality, the church was never meant to be housed inside of a building. It was meant to be released out into the world. It was a movement meant to move, not a movement that decided to sit down in one place and stay stagnant in that area. And so let me ask you again, what is your answer to this question? What is the church and who is the church for? If we've looked at it as an assembly of believers who are on a common mission all over the world, then the answer to what is the church is you. You are the church. Maybe you haven't thought about yourself that way, that I am the church, but you carry the message of Jesus inside of you everywhere you go, and you bring the ecclesia to the world that needs to hear this message. You are the church. It's not a building. Sometimes we have tools like buildings that we use to serve the ecclesia, to serve the believers who are on a common mission, but you are the church. And the question is, who is the church for? The church is for the world. 
And the answer that we can sometimes give in our American culture is, who is the, what is the church? It's the building down the street. And what is the church for? It's meant to serve the people that go to the building. And when we get into that trap, we're missing the idea that Jesus has called us to be a movement that goes outside the walls and starts to connect in all these places where the church needs to be. So the ecclesia can go into your work and into your neighborhood and into the relationships that you have with people who aren't uh, believers. If we look at the church as a building, then they have to come to us. This was not the movement that Jesus started. He started a movement of people who had a common mission and called them to go out into the world and use whatever resources that they have to reach the world for Christ. Everybody follow me? Sorry that got tedious. It's really important that we agree on this. You're the church. We exist for the world. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see the first ecclesia and what they looked like. And now I want to ask you, what is community supposed to look like? As a church, our value is that we are for the community. Sorry, we are for community and for the community. We are for creating community in our ecclesia and for taking that movement out into a world to affect the community around us. Look at Acts chapter 2. This is the very first church that begins right off the heels of that first church launch where 3,000 people accepted Jesus. They're like, what do we do now? We have to figure out what this looks like. And here's what the first church looked like. This is what we should be emulating. Verse, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, the first church, they, the assembly, the ecclesia, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, the, and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. These people devoted themselves to studying God's word, to understanding his teaching, to listening to the eyewitness accounts of the apostles who had been with Jesus. Okay, this was the, the goal of the first church was to be witnesses to the world about Jesus. They were firsthand eyewitnesses to what Christ had done. And that's why they wrote it down and gave it to us so that we can continue to be witnesses to what Jesus was doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and prayer. And I'm just going to throw it out there. Food is involved. Food is involved in every great church, okay? It's just part of what it is. I keep telling you guys this. No one's hearing me. Food is a part of a great church. We're having uh, chicken tacos for uh, next Saturday. They're going to be amazing. I'm just throwing it out there. I can't wait. <sighs> yep, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm lost for a second here. I just started thinking about chicken tacos. Okay. <laughs> they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Look, a true ecclesia, a community, a gathering of people are, are centered around God's word. Because God's word witnesses to Christ. When we go into God's word, we learn about, we understand who Christ is, we have a relationship with Jesus through his word, and then we take that word out to the rest of the world, and we communicate, we witness to the fact that Christ has come, and he has offered us forgiveness of sin and relationship with God, and made a way for us to have a relationship with our creator. It's the center of everything that we do. And you're like, you believe this thing? Yes, I do, because it testifies to who Jesus is. Jesus used the Bible in a way that shows us he valued it and held it very high in how he communicated and spoke and taught. And we do the exact same thing. And you're like, this is for today? It's absolutely for today. Because we still need to know who Jesus is. 
The word testifies to who Christ is. Everything in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of Jesus coming. It's a beat in a story that helps you connect the dots. Jesus' story itself is absolutely earth-shatteringly important to every human that has ever lived and will live. And the end where the church starts to take over is our instructions on how to go and reach the world. The Bible is the center of what we do, and it was the center of the community there. That as they were trying to build this church, trying to find what this ecclesia was going to be about, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to being with one another, and to studying the word, and to hearing the firsthand account. And you know, this must have looked like an official meeting, but also it probably was like, you know, hey Peter, tell me that story again about Jesus. Like, hey, hey James, you know, just, just tell me what it was like. This is what they were devoted to, learning more about who Jesus was and God's teaching. And we are still devoted to that very same thing. It's the core of what brings community to, it's the thing that binds everyone. Every church that has ever existed, right, there are tons of denominations, tons of different churches. At the core of any church, of any ecclesia, of any, of any church is going to be a connection to Christ and his story. And we could disagree on a lot of different theology, and we can make a million different denominations, but at the core, the most important thing is Jesus and his story and what it means to us. And we need to be devoted, we need to be committed, we need to have our our community centered around God's word. It's important to us as a church, and it should be important to every believer. It goes on, uh, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, At the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So this community, it looks way different. It's committed to the apostles' teaching. And then we see in this next verse that they are committed to being generous. That true community is at its core generous. It's generosity that defines what an ecclesia should be about. By the way, that's what it looks like. We don't have to spend money on a heating bill and lights, and we don't have to replace a roof or get a new air conditioner, or we don't have to, you know, fix the door that's broken on the back. We don't have to. We don't have to maintain a building. This is the cool thing about being a church plant. We could take all the resources that we have and sink it into the kingdom of God and making sure that Jesus' message goes out from this place, and we can be incredibly generous. I mean, our partnership that we're having right now with Ralph Reeder and with the Quincy House and with the Community Center, these things are made possible by the fact that we're using our resources in a different way, in a generous way. And it's not just about money. Yes, it is about money. A true community is generous. And the moment you find that this is your community, you will be called into generosity in supporting what is happening here. This is why we say if you're a visitor, just let it go by. The day you feel like this is your church, join in. But it's not just about money. It was about their possessions. It was about their time. It was about their resources. It was about their life. And let me tell you some of the generous things that are happening in this church. People are opening their home once a week in these small groups and inviting people into their mess. There are people studying and preparing lessons and Bible studies for those places. There are people giving their life one-on-one to people as they are are walking them through what it looks like to, to be mentored by somebody. Like we are giving our resources, our time, our possessions, our money for God's kingdom. And a true community is truly 
generous. This first community was defined by the fact that people were like, hey, I got a piece of land. I'm going to sell it, give the proceeds to the church. Hey, I got this Ferrari in the garage. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to give the proceeds to, maybe not. Uh, Whatever they had, it was probably like uh, perfume that they sold and gave to the church. It was probably like, and I'm not saying go home and sell your boat. I'm not saying that. Although maybe Jesus is calling you to sell your boat. I'm just, you need to work that out with Jesus. Uh, But what I am saying is, generosity is core to being a true, biblical, Jesus-centered ecclesia. If we want community in this church, generosity will be the thing that will define us. You know, as we met with the group that is leading the the resource fair next week, we were like meeting with uh, the Ralph Reeder Food Shelf, the community center, and every time it came to a place where they were like, well, what about this? How are we going to afford that? We are like, just add it to the budget. Well, what about this? How are we going to afford that? Just add it to the budget. I mean, we're investing thousands into what we feel like God has called us to do. We picked up the tab on all the food. We picked up the tab on, you know, all the, all the inflatables, on all the face painting, on all the marketing that we're doing. Like, all this stuff, we were like, hey, can we fulfill this, this dream that you have of bringing this resource fair to this community? Great, we'll pick up the tab because you know why? We have it. We're, we can be generous because we're not sinking it all into a building. I'm not spending thousands and thousands of dollars keeping a building running every single week. We can use that money for the community. And I understand that it's a philosophical change or difference between what's going on in our situation and in most churches. And I'm not bagging on them. Please hear me. A lot of churches are using their building as a resource. They're using it as a tool. There are a lot of churches out there who have their building full every single day of the week. And the community is inside of their building and loves being part of what's going on. And they're using it as a tool. And right now, we don't have that tool. But if we ever do get ourselves a building, it'll be a tool to reach the community. It'll be something we leverage generously to reach the community. And the, the season we're in now allows us to be incredibly generous. He, it goes on, right? This community is amazing. It says, verse 46, Every day, they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread, to, there's food again, in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This, this community was, was committed to each other. This community was like, hey, we have a common mission. We know what we're about. We're starting something that's going to change the entire world because it's what Jesus told us to do. We know what it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us everything. We don't care. We're going to do what Christ has called us to do. And the effect of any community who is following Christ is that eventually the community that gets built in the ecclesia starts to affect the community outside of the, the uh, scope of what that ecclesia is. So when you start to build community, you start to affect the community. right? So anyone that that gets built starts to affect it. And so a true community affects the community. And we are starting to see that happen here. That as people are having ecclesia in their home during the week in small group, they're reaching out and affecting people. That as we are partnering with people in the community, we're reaching out and affecting people. That as we exist, our, the, the uh, thing that will come about creating that community And creating that Jesus-centered mission that we are all on board with is that it will spill into the world around us and start to draw people in. I mean, what it says about them 
was uh, they were praising the Lord, enjoying the favor of all the people. That's impossible, by the way. That's a miracle in and of itself. Think about our world today. If we could affect and find favor with all the people. There's no way. I mean, I don't know if you've been on Facebook lately. You can't please everyone. It's not possible. You can't find favor with everybody. Somebody's going to be mad at you no matter what. Like, I, I, all you have to do is look at any event we sponsor or, uh, or push out on Facebook. The comments, go through the comments that we get. They're hysterical. Somebody's going to be mad at you for something. Like, hey, we're just giving all this stuff away to the community and feeding people. Yeah, our bad. It must have been made you uh, upset somehow. Like, you can't find favor with a lot of people. This church was so compelling that every person that came into contact with them was, was, saw them in a favorable light, was compelled to see what was going on, was drawn into the ecclesia, not into the building, into the ecclesia, into the community of what was happening. And the, the, the thing that came out of the favor of all the people, because probably not every person joined or accepted Christ, even though they saw him in a favorable light, but it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. It affects people who are far from God and draws them into relationship with Jesus when they see community being put on display. And so we, as a church, believe in community. That's why we torment you with the question of the day every single week. But we are also big believers that the community outside of this should be affected by what we do. That if we turn inward at any point and we start to serve each other and ourselves, then we have lost the mission of the ecclesia. We have lost the mission of what God has called us to do and what Jesus showed us the church should look like. We're not, and thank God for this, tied to a location. We are bringing the ecclesia to every place we go. We're creating community that changes the world around us in every place we go. Every living room where the ecclesia meets, the community center every single weekend, every time we show up at the Ralph Reeder food shelf to serve, every time we're at the Quincy House, which is right now every Wednesday for our youth group, we're creating ecclesia there and we're affecting the community around us. Every time we show up for our neighbors, every time we show up for our coworkers, every time we connect with people who are far from God, we're bringing the ecclesia, the community that God is trying to build, the church that Jesus says will not be stopped, cannot be overcome, cannot be squashed, cannot be snuffed out, that no matter what happens, this ecclesia will continue to pop up Every time you squash it, every time you, you stick your foot on it, every time you try to kill it, it just pops up somewhere else because you can't stop it. It's not in a location. We can't close the doors to the ecclesia. You can't lock it up. You can't burn it down. It exists outside of the realm of a location. And that's what Jesus has called us to create. And that's why we are for community. It's important that we create that community here first. And I, the conversation I have with most people is like, you know, I don't know, I was going to this church and it was great and I was listening, you know, and then we, I came here and it's like, there's something different happening community-wise here. The first time I was here, I had this conversation with this person. Now I feel connected to this and I joined a small group and I did this. By the way, we're going to be adding to our small groups the next couple weeks here. It's going to be a great opportunity for you to join and be part of one. We're for community because you have to start there building God's church, the ecclesia, but we're also for the community because that's our mission as an assembly of believers, as a gathering of believers.
it's been really fun to talk through our uh, values. And I hope that you understand that we're not saying that there's anything special or different about who we are. Okay, there's a million churches doing awesome work for Jesus. I, we are kingdom-minded people who love what God is doing all throughout the Twin Cities. But we're focused, man. We know what we're trying to do. We know what we're called to do. And I want to also say that this church may not be the right fit for every person. And that's okay. If, if you're like, hey, you know, I like this church, but it just doesn't feel like the right place for me, then great. Let's have a conversation about it. And let me help you find a church that's awesome for you. Let me help move you to a place where you're going to feel like you're part of something that's going on that you really desire to be in. Because we understand who we are and we're clear about it and we're inviting you to be part of it and to join what's going on here and to create the ecclesia here. But if it's not for you, it's okay. Jesus is at work all over the place. It's okay. We know who we are. You know, we are a community that is all about community and all about the community. We are a community. You ready for me? Are you ready for me? Yep. We are a community who is an imperfect church for imperfect people. Watch this. It's not in the slideshow, but... Ah! We are a community. I'm hoping that you'll lead me from here on out. Who are big K kingdom people. We care about Jesus' kingdom, not just our own. We are a community that is passionate about people who aren't here yet. And we are a community that is convinced Jesus' gospel is good news for all. Those are the values that define who we are. Those values may not be for every person. It's okay. We want them to be for you. We want you to be involved. We want you to join what's going on here to help build what Jesus is doing in our ecclesia. But if this is not your church, that's fine. I will help you find the right place because we are convinced that this is what God is calling us to do. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for giving us the mission that you've given us. Thank you for putting on our hearts the lives and the, the people that are all around us every day. God, we don't, we're not reinventing anything. We're just trying to be as obedient as we can to what you're calling us to do. I thank you for the people in this room who have either joined this movement that you've started here or who are thinking about it, God, that you would make it so clear to them what their, uh, what their mission is personally and whether that fits with who we are. Thank you for showing us what it looks like to be an ecclesia. Thank you for promising that your, your ecclesia will never be overcome, that there is no force on earth that can, can squash it, can beat it, can crush it, that it, will, that it will continue faithfully for the rest of time. Thank you for calling us into that mission and creating that community here in our church. Jesus, we want to make this all about you. So would you continue to help us draw people into relationship with you? Would you help the, the ecclesia to spill out of this building and into our homes and into our lives and into our everydays, into our jobs, into our neighborhoods, into the places where we rub shoulders with people who aren't believers? And would you continue to build your kingdom on the back of that same confession of faith that Peter made, that you are the Christ, that you are the Son of the living God. We thank you for this mission that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys stand?